My name is Scott Weiss, and you're listening to Let's Get to Work, the podcast series that dives deep into recruiting and hiring trends, the global workforce, the future of work, job search tips, technology, and more. With the U.S. unemployment rate below 4%, employers are increasingly struggling to find qualified talent for their open positions, especially when it comes to more technical roles. At the same time, new service providers are springing up all over the country to provide training to individuals seeking to gain new skills and capitalize on the labor shortage. You've probably seen or heard about a few of these programs in your own city. Organizations like Code Academy, Coding Dojo, and Hack Reactor are just a few that focus specifically on teaching software engineering or coding skills. These programs are open to anyone who can afford to pay the tuition to learn in a flexible setting. Many of the students still work full-time jobs while attending classes at night or on the weekends. But what about prospective students who can't afford to pay tuition, but are motivated to learn these skills and carve out a place for themselves in the job market? Yasmin Ali, the founder and CEO of Skillspire, may have the answer. Skillspire is an IT training company based in Seattle that empowers low-income and minorities of society with the most needed IT skills to enable them to attain a job in the high-tech sector in an accelerated time frame. We're fortunate to have Yasmin with us here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Yasmin, why did you start Skillspire? Coming from a tech background myself, and having worked in the technology sector for about 10 years, um, I took a career break for about 10 years to take care of family. And during that time, I got involved in a lot of uh, community activities as a community activist, and especially in the education area. I got to meet people from all walks of life. And one of the, uh, one of the, important things that people were looking for when they come to this country is to improve their education for themselves or for their kids and make a better life for themselves. But a lot of them were not able to figure out how to get to that spot. And these may be candidates that have some sort of a degree in computer science or career switchers who are coming from different um, backgrounds like chemistry and biology, they all see the boom that's happening in the tech sector, but was but were unable to navigate through the maze. And of course, they don't have the family support, or do they have? Nor do they have the financial resources. So that gave me the idea that we want to make the tech sector look more like the population that they serve. And why not reach out to more people of color, more underrepresented communities and women, help train them in the in-demand software skills that the tech sector is looking for and help bridge this opportunity divide. So that's the genesis for Skillspire. Fantastic. So the obvious question uh, for me and I'm sure for our listeners is, somebody has to cover the cost of the training um, for these prospective uh, students that you're reaching out to. Uh, You know, it it sounds to me like a handful of them may be coming to you without the financial resources to afford what I guess you would consider your tuition expenses. How do you get around that? 
So from the get-go, I think the way that we have modeled our um, company is to partner with a lot of community organizations that work with this particular, um, with the ethnic populations. So by that I mean uh, we reach out to, say, Latino organizations, to the African-American organizations, to the Asian-American, so the different communities that they serve. So sometimes I think tech sector, or I would say, you know, 75% of the time, tech was not an option for these uh, candidates. Um, Most of them were you know, geared towards uh, or steered towards, I should say, jobs at the Port of Seattle or uh, manufacturing jobs or airport jobs. And a lot of them were capable of doing, um, you know, coding or programming or anything in the technology sector, but just did not have the opportunity to go about figure this, figuring this thing out. So there was a huge education piece that was happening when I was initially meeting with these community organizations to let them know that this is indeed an option for your uh, clientele. And so from there on, when they had any sort of grants in terms of education training, they were able to uh, provide scholarship for these students. So we do keep it very affordable so that it's easier um to, for these community orgs as well, if you were to shell out, say, 15, 10, 10,000 to 15,000, then I'm sure it's a much harder sell. But since we keep it, you know, more affordable, around 2,500, you know, so that's something that the community organizations have um, been able to help with for the students. Got it. And does Skillspire at this stage offer any kind of uh, scholarships or grants directly to prospective students? No, we have not. We typically partner with community organizations to do grants. We have not done it ourselves. Uh, but we are trying to reach out to more of the employers on the other side to say that, you know, there's tons of people who reach out to us asking for scholarship. And, you know, if they are able to pay it forward, uh, for our students, then they could be great candidates uh, down the line. Fantastic. So as one of a number of, I guess we can call them maybe secondary schools, uh, alternative schools, uh, and what I mean by that is not the traditional you know, college path, um, a lot of the uh, students who are pursuing these types of uh, this types of curriculum maybe already have a degree. Maybe in some cases, the folks that are coming from outside the U.S. may even have like a master's degree. Uh, my question for you is, um, why do you think there's been such an uptick in over the last few years, these types of uh, organizations springing up? I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier that obviously there's, you know, low unemployment uh, but what are the trends that have uh, led to the growth in these secondary uh, institutions or secondary schools? Well, according to my research and my reading, you know, there's there is still quite a bit of demand from the tech sector for these type of people. I mean, we go out of the country to hire uh, international outsource these talents, and we go because of um, you know, cost, 
um, to so that you get, um, you know, there's more uh, international candidates that may have the right skills. But people have never really tapped into the local talent. And we, I mean, when we see someone who comes from a different country, even if they come with an engineering background or a medicine background, you know, the, the, the skills just don't translate well. We've made it so hard, you know, in the United States that they have to jump through hoops to actually translate their skills. So when, you know, so given those kinds of conditions, I think when, um, you know, there are um, candidates who are also, you know, when they're starting out from different countries, I think there's also the tuition element. You know, not everyone can afford to get into a four-year degree. And, you know, even for people who've been here, we know that the, the you know, the expensive and in the tuition that we have and, you know, the scandals that are coming out, um, you know, lately. So I think, so companies like Skillspire and, you know, all the other coding boot camps have figured out that, you know, hey, here's a gap that exists, you know, um, and let's try to provide and train these students in these technical skills and, you know, so that, you know, given in a, maybe anywhere from a six months to a year, they'll be able to transition to a tech job. That's great. And I can tell you from personal experience working in recruiting, uh, there is a small caveat to graduates coming out of these programs from the employer perspective. In some cases, they may not view these candidates as having what they would consider a traditional engineering background or training. Um, you know, because some of these uh, new institutions are, they're not yet proven. They don't necessarily have the same uh, cachet that, you know, getting a degree from a four-year university would have. So is this something that you address with your students uh, and graduates in terms of how to position themselves in the market when they go out there? Um, because I can tell you that it is something that I have seen as a potential uh, stopper is like, hey, you know, you're, that's great that you went to uh, a coding academy, uh, but you know we really need somebody that has you know a, a real a, a traditional computer science or engineering education or background. Uh, what's the workaround there? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been a barrier for the students, and it's um, you know that's a mind shift that just needs to happen. Um, if you know these students, I, I can tell you that. You know, the students are, when they come to this country or people who are here, I would say about 60 to 70% of the students, you know, come to us after playing around, you know, on their own with some sort of programming, uh, you know, online programming, pro, um, you, know, you know, Code Academy or whatever it may be. And they know and they are very focused when they come. And that's one thing that we try to do, um, you know, in our program. Um, we, you know, ask them and test them with several in several areas to make sure that they have that grit. I know personally how, you know, how hard programming can be. It can get very overwhelming, very frustrating. And when you don't have uh, a buddy, so to, you know, so that you can, who can, who you can go to and, you know, talk it out, it's, it can get very, very frustrating. So we definitely look for that grit and commitment in the students that we hire. 
And a lot of them come with a lot of life skills as well. I just I just want to clarify one thing. Sorry to cut you off. You said in the students that you hire, and I, I'm just confirming that recruit in traditional sense recruit bring into the program right okay yeah you're not paying the students to learn no they're paying you to learn okay got it Uh, recruit the students that we recruit so we're being very careful uh, in their assessment so um you know so the and also there's another aspect that i strongly feel that technical skills could be learned and yes you can go through and learn it uh, in a four-year degree or, you know, give a year, you know, anywhere from, you know, six months to a year, if a person really puts that effort in, and I really mean that the committed effort that the student puts in, you know, they can really, um, they can really uh, ramp up. You know, I, we were, you know, we were talking to one of our alumni student, and he was just going through his timeline and how he kind of deviated because he didn't have the support. Even after finishing the coding bootcamp, he kind of went away thinking that, you know what, this is maybe this is not for me, uh, went away for a real estate license. And then after six months, he had to, you know, come back. And now he's joining a job, which goes, which is going to pay him like 80K. And he's extremely happy and very proud of his accomplishments. But there has been a lot of work that he has been putting in, at least for the past three to four months before he landed his job. So I don't think we can we can um, kind of uh, generalize and say that you know all students who come from a coding bootcamp do not have that you know work ethic. You know the same thing is with even colleges. You know, sometimes colleges even, you know, uh, produce students who are not very confident and they are also grappling to get that first job. So to me, I think if a person has taken that first step on his own to, you know, enroll in a program, in a technical program like this and puts in all his effort and time, I think he can definitely be successful. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, it's unfortunate that there are folks out there that will generalize. um, But I think it's probably just because it's so new. And as this continues to grow and become more the norm, you'll see uh, uh, more of an open mind to it and a better understanding that, you know, not every candidate is the same. And you have to kind of factor in lots of different things when you're evaluating someone, you know, and, and where they went to school and where they learned and what they've done is just part of the whole package. Absolutely. A question, question for you. Um, we all know that there is a huge demand and it seems to be continuing to grow for technical talent. And in this case, specifically software engineering talent. And that's why there's such a push for offshore. And you read about, uh, everything that's going on in, in, uh, on the political side of things with regards to the the visas and the lottery for visas. Um, are these coding academies a stopgap measure uh, just to kind of help fix the problem of, of, of the, the, the shortage and the demand? Um, or is this a long-term strategy? And what else do you think, uh, at least in the United States, needs to happen in order to keep up with the the demand for for this engineering talent. Again, it's 
it doesn't look to be something that's going to level off. It, it appears to be something that's going to continue to grow as more processes get automated, uh, greater demand for software engineering talent. So what, what, where does this fit into the bigger picture in terms of solving that problem long term? Yeah, I, you know, right now, I think it looks like a stopgap measure, you know, but I think coding boot camps are also evolving over time. And uh, over time, I think we will probably be seeing a lot of shift. And we also, as we are training candidates, every time we offer a cohort, we're learning as to, you know, what works and what doesn't work and, you know, what type of students should we be looking at. And so we're continuously learning. And I think coding boot camps, I, I'm not, I don't think, I don't feel that it's going to be a stopgap measure. But even if a person, say, for instance, they are in a, a non-technical job, they are looking to us to get technically trained so that they don't have to go in and take a four-year degree to accomplish these, these things. Or say, for instance, that, you know, we, um, I am a software engineer and I am looking to go, say, maybe the data analytics route. They come to us and they upskill. Or I'm going, I want, I'm in really interested in cybersecurity. How do I, you know, go through that uh, career trajectory? So I think as, um, as time passes and as we are also seeing the demands, we are able to adapt to the changes that the, te that the tech sector wants us to be working on. And we're constantly in talk with the companies as well to figure out how can we make it work for both sides? I know you want candidates and we are ready to train these candidates. So we provide customized curriculums as well. So I feel it's, it's definitely an ongoing process and the ones that would be successful in the futures are the future is, are the ones who are easy to adapt to the changes in the tech sector. That makes a lot of sense. And um, the fact that you have the flexibility that maybe a traditional college or university doesn't have to adapt um, could could be a huge advantage and, and maybe part of the reason why these types of uh, programs are seeing such success. You mentioned the term upskilling. Um, can we talk for a quick second about uh, as, a, as an employer, you know, as a, as a company that employs people, you know, upskilling is something that is, is we're constantly as the employer thinking about talking about how do we take our staff and 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 keep them uh, keep their skills relevant, uh, continue to push them forward in their career so we can retain them. How and where do do programs like Skillspire play into the realm of upskilling the talent that's already working for these companies, not necessarily job seekers, but uh, an organization that has employees already on staff that they want to upskill, are there opportunities for them to leverage the services of a, a firm like Skillspire in that case? Absolutely. I mean, I would say about 30% or 30 to 40% are people who are uh, who come with not much technical background, but they are working. Say they are a non-technical PM. Or we have cases where they come from a healthcare background, uh, healthcare IT background, but they're looking at the amount of data that's being uh, collected in the healthcare field, and they have no idea how to go about 
you know, working with this data. So a lot of the people that have actually take on our data analytics courses are people who are already working. So they are trying to upskill. They're trying to change their focus um, going forward in the future. And cybersecurity is another great example that, you know, uh, we hear about all the cybersecurity threats, but still I don't think we have enough candidates who know how to program or uh, code with that security layer present. And that's when, you know, when we're looking for security or cybersecurity candidates, you know, companies, huge companies are really struggling to find good candidates. So whereas I think we tell them that if you see candidates who are interested in going that route in cybersecurity, help, you know, we can train them. We can, you know, and it's 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 a short-term training that we provide that they can easily, you know, um, learn these skills and uh, go through that career path. Got it. Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, can you tell me, uh, can you give me an example of one of your students maybe that w- that's been especially inspiring to you in terms of their background and them passing through Skillspire and and where they are today. Uh, is there is there any one specifically inspirational story that comes to mind? Yeah, um, I can think of a couple, but then I'm going to choose one who recently found a job. So he graduated with us on the in the full stack web development program. Um, he used to be, I think he used to drive Uber. Uh, he does not have a degree in computer science. Right? In fact, he doesn't have a college degree. But I think he was recommended by a good friend of his, and he enrolled in the program. He quickly became a TA, and even after he graduated, he um, he kept working. He got some, um, kept working on his project, on his GitHub, um, but I think he was getting a little frustrated as to uh, as to the job offers that he was um, getting, and I think he got burnt by maybe one job which didn't have a great manager. So he quickly kind of you know um, swayed away. Swayed, he was swayed by the real estate um, market that I was just telling you, and he um, went away on a tangent for almost close to eight months. And then I think when he was having a conversation with me, um, I mean, most of my students actually keep in touch with me. I have a great relationship with them. Uh, so, you know, when we were talking, I said, you know, Ahmed, you know, I think you should definitely just give this another chance because I think he quickly realized that real estate was not a piece of cake either. So I said, anything that you're trying for the first time, it is going to be hard to get that first foot in the door. So here. I think with the tech sector, the progression is just so much faster once you start that first job. So after a lot of coaching, and I think he spent a lot of time on his own and kind of really plunged reaching out to consulting companies, and um, now he's got a job. And um, and it's, it's a full-time job, paying start, pay starting close to 50, 75 to 80K. And he's thrilled. He's saying even if it's, uh, I think it's not in Seattle, it's in a different state, but still he says, you know, I'm going to just bite the bullet, you know, go away for a year and then, you know, and then I think I'll be in a much better, much better position. I mean, it's, it's very, very 
humbling to hear them see from where they've come and then the level of confidence that they've built and um so it's it's very gratifying to see um you know see such um students so from uber driver to engineering student to web developer to real estate agent to now full-time software engineer uh that's that was his path and uh, you were fortunate enough to be a part of that for him. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think I have Great. various other stories as well. Um, yeah, from a pizza delivery guy to a web developer. So it, there's just so many more. So to anyone who's listening out there that is maybe frustrated with their current path in life, uh, maybe you went to college and studied something and it hasn't necessarily materialized into a career, there is always an opportunity for you to start fresh um, if you have an interest and a passion in technology uh, with a, an organization like Skillspire, where even if you're uh, not in a financial position to afford it, uh, there's opportunities to find grants uh, through community organizations, especially if you happen to be uh, underserved, underprivileged, minority uh, there are opportunities and I can speak from experience that just about every employer that I have recruited for in my career now more than ever is very focused on diversifying their hiring. You see all kinds of diversity programs, diversity efforts. So this is something that is, uh, will not be a blocker for you if you have the, the, the passion and the motivation, uh, and the willingness to work hard to get there. Uh, before we wrap up, Yasmin, can you just uh, give our listeners just a quick 30 to 60 second uh, background of you personally, uh, how, where, you, where you're from uh, and everything that got you to where you are today? I am originally from India. I moved here almost close to 25 plus years ago. I was fortunate enough that my husband paid for my education, so I did my bachelor's here and my master's in computer science and worked for quite a bit before I stepped away. And um, and as I mentioned that, you know, during that time I was very involved in the community and uh, still am. And um, when I wanted to get back, you know, I felt that, you know, it had to be um, combination of community and tech, and uh, that's how that's how Skill was found. Um, I think uh, I think education is something that all of us, you know, sometimes uh, take for granted. You know, um, but there are a lot of other candidates who are grappling, you know, just need some kind of direction, some kind of mentorship. And, and they are constantly faced with questions in, and at every walk of life that, you know, if they had some sort of an ally, some sort of a mentor to help them at that stage, I think they can make some fantastic choices in life. And if you come across such people, just listen to them and be able to help guide them. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that would be my ask. So, so with Skillspire, it's a combination of not just technical skills, but there's a, 
sounds like a mentorship and a personal development component, which I think is as much, if not more important than the, the technical skill. And I think that's probably one of the things that's really going to make your company stand out amongst its competitors as this market continues to grow. Uh, Yasmin, one last question. Uh, it sounds like this is, uh, you know, p potentially your first venture as a business owner. Is that, is that correct? That's right. Great. So what is, um, for you as a, as a female, uh, as a business owner, first time business owner, what's been the most surprising thing for you, uh, having you know set up and started and now running this business what's the one thing that surprised you most about this whole experience well you know i think um the positive side i think the networking has been amazing you know i think i've um i never thought that i would have such a a great network of people and amazing support but then i think that has really uh, surprised me. And in terms of, um, you know, either being just the women that I work with or the companies that I walked into or the community organizations. So they all feel that this is a great cause and that, you know, they should support. And the negative, I should say, is as any business, everything takes time. It's just every single day you're just plowing through, you know, the, a lot of, um, a lot of patience, you know, and just being resilient and not giving up, um, you know, whatever little bit, I think it just, you know, um, slowly chipping away. I think it definitely yields results. That's great advice. And uh, for anybody that's listening that wants to learn more about Skillspire, uh, visit Skillspire.net. Uh, also, you can uh, look for Yasmin on LinkedIn. Yasmin, we so appreciate your time today and wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you very much, Scott, for having me.